They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome to the Must Be Destroyed on Site movie podcast. Uh, I'm Lee Russell, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Daniel Harper. How's it going, Daniel? Pretty well, pretty well. It's been a tiring week, but we're going we're gonna to make it through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got a nice little podcast uh, set up for tonight. Um, hopefully my sound quality sounds good to you, the listeners. I'm working on a... a internal fucking mic right now on the damn thing because my uh, external mic broke so uh if the sound quality is off that is why you sound uh, like shit to me so just just so you know <laughs> oh but that's just your voice yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. um i, I want to start by uh saying we actually have comments uh last couple of videos we have gotten comments in fact we got two comments just today before uh we started this uh podcast so uh First off, thanks to everyone who actually sent in comments, and um, I'll just go through them here really quickly uh, before we start this episode. Um, I'm just excited to see you get comments, because my yeah. podcasts don't get comments, really, except from you, so, you know. <laughs> um, so we had two on the uh, episode for um, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Um, Wolf Dark Claw, I think that's how he pronounces his uh, handle said Marianne for the win, you know, not exactly a substantial comment, but I appreciate it all the same. Um, I'm a ginger person myself, but, you know. Um, I always wanted and... to do Gilligan, you know. <laughs> Just bend Bob Denver over, you know, pound him in, you know, the, uh, we'll just leave it there, you know. Show him your little buddy, yeah. Um, my, my little buddy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had one for P.A. Brunos. He's made plenty of comments, although, um... For the previous episodes, he's basically just giving us shit for the stuff we got wrong. Uh, <laughs> but um, but he said, uh, another one to check out um, where, the, where the killer wears a burlap sack is The Night Brings, Char- the Night Brings Charlie. It's a, another good flick. We'll have to uh, look for that one. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, uh, he's a good guy, so I definitely would be interested in seeing that flick if you know, yeah, uh, I happen uh, across it. So that was uh, Paul P. A. Brunus, uh, fellow beer tuber, um, and we got two comments on just the latest episode I actually posted up today, uh, which was our uh, sort of top five horror recommendations. Um, we have one from uh, Drunketh Wizard who says, uh, "Great podcast, fairly obscure titles there uh, here." Um, he says, "Sucks that Christopher Lee uh, doesn't like talking about Dracula and how it." I'll get soured for him. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it kind of sucks, but um, he just, you know, he was under contract, so he had to do the films, and he got increasingly dissatisfied and disinterested with the whole thing, and sadly, it seems to be a really sore spot for, for him. But then again, I'm, I'm sure most people associate him with Dracula more than anything else, even like Sauron um, or, or Sauron in uh, the Lord of the Rings films, so... Um, that might be a generational thing. He has been acting for 50, 60 years now, so... You yeah. Know, um, yeah. Just kind of depends on who you ask, I guess. I'm sure there are for people, it's uh, he's just Count Dooku. Yeah. And, and another thing, when people ask him about his Dracula roles, um, they're always trying to get the dirt about his dissatisfaction with it, so... And he seems like the kind of person who's above... Uh, crapping on people, so uh, that probably gets annoying as well. You know, people keep continuously ask him, and you know they don't get the hint. So, right, yeah. Uh, so we had another comment from uh, my friend uh, Brad, who uh, goes under Bruise under review uh, on YouTube. Um, he gave his little uh, top five list uh, for horror movies. I don't know if these are his favorite of all time or if they're just ones he recommends uh, people look for. But uh, he cited uh, Night of the Living Dead from 1990, and that's the Tom Savini remake. Um, 
and I'd agree with him. I actually really like that film. Uh, it doesn't uh, trample on the original at all, as far as I'm concerned. You ever seen that, Daniel? I ha- I, I know it exists, but I haven't gotten my way around to it yet. Uh, kind of one of those. I uh, it's again, it's on the to do list. Yeah, oh, I have so many on that list. I think every film geek has a has a list, a master list of ten thousand movies that one day I'm going to get around to that. Yeah, know? but uh, no, I, I haven't gotten around to that one yet. But uh, I've heard I've heard really nice things about it. Yeah, it is actually really good. Um, his next one is uh, Tales from the Crypt: Demon Knight from uh, 1995. Um, I have seen that. That has Billy uh, Zane in it and uh, Williams. I think I. Ha- I think I have seen that many years ago, probably when it was new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I seem to recall liking that one, too. I haven't watched that one in quite a few years, but it had uh, Billy Zane in it as the bad guy, the demon. It had, um, I think, uh, William Sanderson, I believe his name is, uh, who's a well-known character actor. Uh, yeah, From uh, Shawshank Redemption and uh, Deadwood. Yeah, and he was—he was also in uh, Star Trek: Deep, Deep Space Nine. Uh, some nice. episodes of that, like the last couple seasons. Um, his next one is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Well, that's that's pretty much a given right there. Um, yeah, can't can't <laughs> go wrong with that. Yeah, um, he says uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors uh, from nineteen eighty seven. Uh, I would actually agree with that one. That's actually the only Nightmare on Elm Street I really like all that much. I'm not a big fan of that film series, to tell you the truth. So uh, I, I don't know that if... one. That 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 series definitely ups the cheese factor as opposed to the uh, you know the horror factor. So it's de- but uh, yeah, I could go for that. Yeah. Um, I, I seem to I seem I lo- I really like that one, and I really liked um, uh, the new Nightmare one, which was sort of like a meta horror film where it like brought Freddy in the real life or whatever. Um, so I, I kind of like that one too, but uh, the rest of the series I'm not too big on. Um, he mentions uh, Brain Dead slash Dead Alive from 1992. That's an early uh, Peter Jackson uh, film um, back when he was doing uh, sort of schlocky uh, gore films instead of uh, serious artistic stuff, you know. Uh, right yeah uh and the, yeah that that is that probably still has the record as probably being the most bloodiest film ever made uh it is sort of a horror comedy but um there's just one scene where he's fighting zombies and he uses basically uh a lawnmower to <laughs> chop up zombies he's swinging it around so uh and there's a lot of fucking blood in that one um Sounds awesome. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, again, again, I, I feel bad about even being on a horror uh, episode just because my knowledge of classic horror movies is so limited. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I Dead, uh, Dead Alive is definitely on that, again, on that master list of like, yeah, one of these days I'm going to work my way around to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was his list. Uh, thanks a lot, Brad. Uh, good list as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm just amazed there wasn't any Porky's three on it because everybody knows that's the. That's the <laughs> I thought it was Porky's. Just recycling that joke. I thought it was Porky's know. two before. Was it Porky's two? Yeah. They're both really scary. I mean, let's you know, let let's be real here. It's really a subjective question. Porky's you know? two is the more boring one though because it has less tits in it. Uh, and, that's true. And a lot of racism as well. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that you know, it's an eighty sex comedy, so you know. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get to the uh, the meat of uh, this episode here, uh, unless you have anything else you want to uh, say, Dan. Not at all. I'm I'm ready to. I mean, I, I just like to thank anybody for uh, commenting and and asking questions and correcting us where we make mistakes, which I'm sure are mostly on my end, um, because of the uh, copious amount of research I do before I do these episodes. Um, you know. <laughs> So uh, you know, I'm I'm yeah, you know, I'm sure it's mostly on my end, and I apologize for uh, making mistakes, but uh, I, I I do like it when uh, people do respond, even if it is to tell me I'm an idiot. So yeah, uh, the the more feedback, the better, and uh, we'll actually get to uh, later at the end of the episode. We'll talk about how you guys can get in touch with us. Um, but until then, we'll start off here. This is going to be 
basically top five sci-fi movies, and this was a topic suggested by Dan. Uh, so we're going to do the same thing we did in the previous uh, top five thing, where it's the old Siskel Niebert thing, where we each give our uh, our take our turns giving our um, list as we count down. And uh, since uh, you gave the topic, uh, Dan, we'll start with uh, your number five on your list. Sounds good. Um, I actually organized mine this time by decade. Ah. I did. Uh, so instead of doing them, I, d- I have a movie from the 60s, one from the 70s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s, and then one from the 2000s and forward. Sweet. So um, that way I kind of spread it out a little bit more. And um, also I tried not to pick, I mean, some of these are kind of the obvious choices, but I tried to shy away from that where I could and tried to find other things. So, you know, for instance, you're not going to see uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind or Blade Runner. I tried not to kind of pick the things that other people would just kind of obviously pick. Okay. Um, but there are at least two that are pretty obvious. So um, in the first one uh, from the 60s, from 1968, um, and I also didn't use a filmmaker twice. That was a... Uh, choice that i made so i wouldn't um and you'll this will make more sense once you hear my my choice for the 60s okay. which is 2001 a space odyssey okay um which is not only i think one of the great science fiction films of all time i think it's one of the greatest films ever made um i think it's kubrick's if you had to pick single singular masterpiece it is uh 2001 um and the novel by arthur c clark is a classic in and of itself as well so i definitely recommend um the movie is sometimes, you know, for, for a lot of viewers, gets really abstract. Yeah. Um, and it gets very um, kind of, I don't, boring is kind of maybe the the, the wrong word, you know. It kind of simplifies a bit, but um, it, it is a little bit hard to take. Um, lots of long takes, lots of, uh, you know, extended sequences of yeah. music. Um, and then the kind of uh, batshit crazy sequence at the end. <laughs> um, it does help to read the book first, um, just, to, just because the, the novel is much more... Uh, I read it. That was actually a book that I read when I was like 11 years mm. old, um, and I grew I grew up with that era of science fiction. So I approached these things from a for a very you know kind of hard science fiction edge. Um, for me, 2001, um, the book and the uh, movie are just some of the uh, great achievements of the genre, and uh, I can't make the list without including them. So, uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, um, great. Great film, great book. Uh, check them both out. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I would, I would recommend reading the book before you watch the movie. Um, the, the, the biggest problem I think most people have with the movie is, like you said, it, it does stretch out scenes quite a bit. It can be a bit slow in in the way it builds up to uh, the plot. And also, if you read the book, you get a better idea of what actually is going on in the plot because it's not always it's, yeah. it's not always spelled out in the actual movie. Like you got really got to pay attention. And for people with short attention spans who are trying to watch this movie, they're zoning out most of the time, so they're missing shit. Right. No, this this is not a film for people with short attention spans. Um, you know, uh, but uh, I think it is a great film. I've never gotten to see it on the big screen. This is one that I'd really love to see. Um, I believe it's actually 70 millimeter. I think that's the original uh, uh, yeah, film format. Could be right. Yeah. 78. Um, it's kind of it kind of fits that era pretty well. But um, yeah, great film. Uh, highly recommended. Um, probably read the book first. I certainly did, and you know, um, and prepare yourself for a meditative experience as opposed to a plot driven yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a it's a great film, um, and Again, it's on my it's it's on my list of the top five great movies ever made. So you know, right check on. It out. Um, my one um, is probably the only like really super obscure one that will pop up on my list. Um, this is directed by Jeff Murphy, and it's from 1985. It's called The Quiet Earth. Um, it in it basically involves a um, I can't remember exactly what his job description is. I think he's some sort of uh, uh, astrophysicist or something along those lines but one day he wakes up and he discovers everyone else in the planet is seemingly gone uh he he walks outside there's no one around uh planes have fallen out of the air with no one in them just you know plane wrecks laying across the countryside and basically he's you know he's left to his own devices where he's the last man on earth or so he seems to think for a while and um I don't want to give too much away on the on the plot, but he he ends up eventually meeting two other people, 
and uh, a sort of a love triangle thing starts to develop. Um, but there are some very interesting uh, ideas put forward in this uh, of why and how they uh, got to uh, a world that's suddenly empty of people except for them. Um, really, really interesting sci-fi movie. It was one I just picked up on a whim one day out of a budget bin, and uh, it was very, very much worth uh, checking out. Uh, really good science fiction film, I thought. So, I, I don't know that one at all. I'll definitely have to uh, check well, that out. So, yeah, that's, that's all i got to say about that one. So, Cool. Uh, number four, uh, another uh, literary adaptation. This is my pick from the 70s. And uh, looking through, you know, kind of thinking about this and thinking about the 70s, I realized there are a lot of uh, classic science fiction films I actually have not seen from the 70s, and that's such a rich uh, era for science fiction films. And I go through, I started going through the list, and I was like, Man, these are all these classics, all these movies that I know are classics. I just have never seen. Um, so, uh, you know, the Man Who Fell to Earth, mm. for instance, is you know considered a bona fide classic, and I haven't seen it. Uh, Silent Running, which was Donald Trumbull directed that, and he did the special effects for uh, 2001. Um, another film, again on the list, been wanting to see it, just uh, never sat down and watched it. Um, but so looking through, and again trying not to pick a kind of obvious choice. I actually picked uh, Slaughterhouse oh, Five, yeah. uh, directed by uh, George Roy Hill, uh, based on the uh, classic novel by Kurt Vonnegut. I don't think it quite reaches the level of the. Novel. I'd agree, um, but I think it's a great film, and I think it's um, it adapts the novel very well. And it, it, the problem with the uh, novel is that it's basically unfilmable, mm -hmm. and so attempting to film it is almost a fool's errand. Um, but I think it, it does what it does uh, very effectively. And, um, again, just as for the experience, uh, absolutely worth seeing, and one that I think is underseen. Um, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro or somebody was going to do a, uh, a version of Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh. Uh, so, like, kind of had, had that on his, like, list of, like, oh, I'm going to make Slaughterhouse-Five, and it kind of got announced, and then nothing ever Yeah, happened. he, he um, better not make that before he makes uh, At the Mountains of Madness. That's all I have to say, or I'll... Yeah, no... I'll... I, I it may not have been Del Toro. I, I want to say it was, but um, it was a filmmaker, some something of that yeah. caliber, someone of that caliber that I you know kind of saw attached to it at one point. But uh, yeah, George Roy Hill, also the uh, director of um, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh, yeah. Kid, um, and uh, Funny Farm, the 1986 Chevy Chase <laughs> vehicle, uh, which is uh, an underrated film in and of itself. Uh, George Ray Hill, I actually didn't know him until I read the uh, great William Goldman book, Adventures in the Screen Trade, and he uh, talks a lot about the making of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and, um, you know, talks a lot about George Ray Hill as this giant among directors, and I'm like, I don't, even, I don't know this guy's work, and I started, like, watching through, and I'm like, this guy is a really good director, and uh, Slaughterhouse Five is is one of his one of his better works. So uh, definitely worth checking out yeah. if you haven't seen it. Um, again, if you're going to either read the book or watch the movie, you should really read the book. Um, but uh, the film is worth uh, watching uh, on its own merits. Yeah, I agree. Well. The book is uh, considerably better, uh, but I, I I think the film holds up pretty well. Uh, I haven't watched it in a lot of a lot of years, but. Uh, the couple times I have watched it, I, I, you know, I went away from it liking it, not finding it uh, lacking in really any regard that I can remember. So, um, yeah, definitely a, uh, definitely a good one to check out. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll go to my next one, and this is a repeat from your list. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I haven't heard of it. No. <laughs> uh, what else can you say about it? I mean, just just the fact that he tried to put attention to detail uh, to try to make space flight actually look like space flight um, was impressive. Uh, I I like the villain in Hal. Um, I think it's yep. one of the great sort of uh, psychopathic villains in film history, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yep. I mean, I could probably spend a whole podcast we could spend a whole podcast going into detail about uh hal and 
all that shit. But uh, I'll just say, yeah, I mean, it's a undisputed classic as far as I'm concerned. I'm not a person who necessarily finds uh, slow films boring, uh, you know, so uh, I have no problem watching through it whenever I decide to actually watch it. So, um, yeah, and it, I mean, just, just on a technical basis, it's it really is a master work in uh, making film. Uh, and anyone, sh- everyone should watch it at least once. So, as long as we're on the topic, I will also recommend the sequel uh, movie, uh, 2010, um, which again was a book first and then became a movie. Uh, the, this film was directed by I think Peter Weir. Um, yeah, um, I think so. 80, 84 or so is kind of when that movie was made. Um, much faster movie, much more of a kind of political. You know, but with a lot of the same kind of uh, um, philosophical edge and uh, answers some of the questions that 2001 leaves open, um, but not yeah. in a obnoxious way. Um, uh, again, the book is also good. Um, this is one where I think the movie and the book are probably about equal in my eyes. Um, 2010 is not a, uh, you know, is not the towering masterpiece that 2001 <laughs> is in either case. Um, but uh, definitely check out um, the sequel if you're if you're interested in kind of seeing how the filmmaker how the how the writer Arthur C. Clarke answered the questions from 2001. Um, again, read the book or uh, see the movie, and you can stop after 2010 because the books 2061 and the 3001 were awful. Um, Are they? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, uh, you know the. He was getting up there in age at that point, you know, especially 3001 was just, you know, um, he brings back Dave Bowman, like, uh, uh, no, Frank Poole, he brings back Frank Poole, like, you know, a, a uh, starship finds him floating among the, the, you know, in orbit around Saturn or something and brings him back and they cryogen, they unfreeze him and then they bring him back to life. And then it's the story of Frank Poole, like discovering life in the year 3001. It's a uh, deeply strange. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> that, that was, that was very late in Oxy Clark's career. So, you know, yeah. Well, where was he living in his last year's India or someplace? Wasn't he he a... actually uh, moved to Sri Lanka in the 60s. Sri Lanka, yeah. Um, back when it was called Ceylon, um, partly because uh, Oxy Clark was a gay man. Um, and, uh, he, uh, I didn't really, I didn't know that until after he died. Mm. I was reading, you know, like, uh, I've, I've been reading Officer Clark literally since I was 11 years old. And, uh, when he died a few years ago, I went, you know, oh, and I was reading obituaries and it's like, oh yeah, he was survived by his lover, you know, so-and-so. And it's like, <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, Officer Clark was gay. And I mean, you know, it's like, wow, I, I just, I never knew it. It was, you know. Anyway, hmm. not not that that you know matters to the quality of the work, but no, um, no, no, no. You know, uh, definitely one of those things. Uh, he, um, anyway, sorry, this isn't a podcast about Steve Clark. I could talk about him all day because <laughs> I, I do. You know, I come I come at this from the, uh, you know, I was a big fan of the old old science fiction from the forties and fifties and sixties, um, and so I come at this topic in a way that's different than the way many people approach it. So yeah. when I said I want to talk about science fiction films, it's like it's deep to my heart, you know, these kind of old classic ideas. So cool. um all right, cool. Are we on my number three now? Yes we are. Okay. Uh my number three from the eighties, a very different film. Uh this one is Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Um and this is one I had the chance to see on the big screen at the Alamo uh, not that long ago and it is phenomenal definitely uh, check it out on the big screen if you can although the Criterion disc is phenomenal as well. Yeah. Um there are a bunch of different cuts. I think there are three or four different cuts of this. You want to see the original director's cut if at all possible um and the this is also a disc where if you do uh, check out the uh, the Criterion disc the commentary track by Terry Gilliam. Uh, it was really, really phenomenal. That's that's definitely one I remember um, watching uh, many times because oh, I rented it and like kept the disc way too long and had to pay a bunch of late fees <laughs> on it back when that was something that happened to you, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I ended up paying like $40 for this disc. I could have just bought it, but, you know. <laughs> um, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Um, dystopic, uh, slightly comic uh, feature film. Uh, Jonathan Price, great performance. Uh, great performances all around, um, and uh, kind of the the funhouse mirror version of 1984. Yeah, I was about um, to say. Uh, yeah, uh, isn't isn't Robert De Niro in that one? Robert De Niro is in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, as the uh, 
HVAC repairman. Yeah. You know, he, he or the plumbing, he fixes the pipes. It's all kind of, you know, and there's a ductwork is just a, a constant uh, visual motif. I mean, this is a visually stunning film, especially again if you do see it on the big screen, you can really make out all those details which you don't necessarily get on, you know, a uh, on a, even a even a big screen at home, you know. So um, yeah, again, uh, brilliant, brilliant film. Definitely check it out. Anybody who hasn't seen it should should absolutely see it. Yeah, I agree. That that is a great film. It it really is sort of like uh, sort of a twisted, almost like uh, expressionist version of 1984. Uh, very uh, very cerebral kind of film, like both literally and figuratively, I guess. Uh, uh, when you get to the ending of the film. Um, so we'll move on to my number three, and this is from 2009 uh, by Duncan Jones. It's Moon, uh, starring Sam Rockwell. Oh, yeah. Uh, I fucking oh, yeah. love this film. Really love it. It's yeah. the best science fiction film I've seen in probably 20 years or, or more. Um, it's, it, I think it's definitely... It's up there. I think it's definitely probably one of the few that really sticks out in the last 20, 30 years. Uh I hesitate to really talk about the plot all that much because it... just just go see it if you if you know nothing about Moon, just go just just rent it. Don't read the don't read anything about it. Just pick it up and put it in the player and watch it. And unfortunately, you know, you can't do that. Like you know, when I saw it, obviously you kind of know the, you know the the. Mm-hmm. The the little twist a third of the way in, you know, and that sort of thing. I'm trying to tread lightly on spoilers, but if you don't know Moon, um, I this is another one I did get to see on the big screen when it originally uh, ran. Um, it's definitely one of those like '70s throwbacks yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, Duncan Jones is David Bowie's son, um, which is kind of <laughs> one of those, uh, uh, just one of those. All right, David Bowie's son made a film, and it's not the film that you would think David Bowie's son. Like if I told you it's David Bowie's son. You'd think it'd be some crazy, you know, drug fueled thing. It's not at all. It definitely feels like a throwback to those '70s, you know, more contemplative. Well, yeah, uh, like films. like you mentioned, um, Silent Running. Like it gets comparisons to that to some degree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Sam Rockwell in the in the in the starring role. Uh, major twist in the film. I was lucky enough that I actually never got a spoiler before I watched the film, so it was just that much more <laughs> shocking when the twist right, actually happened. Right. And uh, I, I'll leave it at that. But if if you're looking for intelligent sci-fi uh, that has uh, it isn't slow. I mean, you, you know, if you're going into it thinking oh it's going to be slow, no, it's actually engaging. Sam Rockwell does an amazing job, and the twist is definitely worth it. It's one of the best sci-fi films. And it, but it's not a film. I you know we're kind of dancing around it. It's not. I kind of dislike it when films build themselves on a twist mm-hmm. and then, you know, like kind of that's all the film is. Even if you know what's going what it is going in, the experience isn't really ruined for you. It's definitely still a brilliant, yeah. brilliant film. Definitely worth seeing. Um and even if you think you know the twist, you might not actually know because the 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 setup kinda of has a twist and then there's another one kind of at the end. Yeah. So um again, definitely worth your time. Okay. Uh, my film, my mine from the '90s. Uh, you know, this is one um, you and I have discussed before. I don't think we've done it on air. Um, this one is from 1995. It is Strange Days, yeah. uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Ray Fiennes, Angela Bassett, Juliette Lewis, um, and a bunch of other people. Um, this is a film made in 95 set on New Year's Eve 1999 or the last couple of days for New Year's Eve. Um, and it's about um, having technology that will record experiences. Um, so basically you can wire up your brain and then you can record like like a you know like a VCR <laughs> DVD yeah. recorder for your brain. And then uh, people sell those experiences. Um, one of the things that I think is is, uh, unique to science fiction what i really look for in a great science fiction film is the uh the what if factor the you know it it sets up a a situation and then follows through on it and it builds a compelling world and this is a film that definitely does that um it also delivers um what i think is a fairly effective uh 
mystery. Um, I've, I've seen some people complain that the mystery is a little bit telegraphed. Um, I saw it for the first time when I was 15, so I can't, con- you know, mm. when I was 15, I, I maybe didn't see it coming in the way that I, I maybe would today. But um, I, I thought it was a, a really great, um, compelling mystery as well as a, uh, a great science fiction film. Um, it's got a, at least three truly phenomenal performances. Um, from Ray Fiennes, who is not playing a character that you really see him play. He's kind of this scumbag yeah. uh, drug dealer, essentially. Um, Angela Bassett as the kind of heart and soul of the film, um, as the, his his best friend to uh, um, very action-heavy role. And then Juliette Lewis is this kind of damaged um, woman who is uh, um, in this relationship with this crazy record producer guy. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I've seen it many times. Um, and, uh, if nothing else, watch it for the first 30 minutes, the first, uh, like 10 or 15 minutes. I think the first seven minutes is one continuous take, or it's cut to look like one continuous take. It's not actually one continuous yeah. take. But, uh, uh, um, yeah, excellent. Sorry, you've seen this film, yeah, right? Excellent movie. Uh, Tom Sizemore in it as well, back when his, yes. his career was basically at his peak before his personal life spiraled out of control. Um, you mean before he like the drugs to cover? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, really excellent film. Uh, there, it, it does uh, incorporate sort of like a film noir murder mystery kind of thing into it. Uh, I, I I like it because it doesn't necessarily present a dystopian society, but it presents like a near dystopian society, like one that's kind of on the brink of uh, flipping over into something really really bad. And, um, yep. yeah, and it was, just, and it's just, it's, it's, it's fresh and it's actually quite original compared to a lot of stuff out there. And, uh, it's definitely one I, I need to revisit at some point, but uh, I really do like that film. You know? Yeah. There, there aren't a lot of films really like strange days. I mean, that's one of the things I like about it is that it's, it's kind of a, it is kind of many different things at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, some great performances. I again, um, I actually fell in love with Ray Fiennes through this film. Not you know, most people it was Schindler's List, but for me it was Strange Days. Yeah, it was definitely a, sort of an atypical performance for him. Like it was, it uh, definitely not what you expect him to see uh, see him doing. Definitely. So yeah. Um, All right, your your number two. Yeah, um, I am going with the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers by Philip Kaufman, uh, starring Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy's in it. Um, just fantastic. It's, it's, it's a total update where uh, the original was more based on sort of uh, 50s communist paranoia. Uh, this one's based uh, in, you know, uh, basically something under undermining... Uh, American society, leave it to beaver people, you know, everyone's in a community, everyone knows each other. Then you wake up one day and you don't know anybody in your community. Um, this one actually updated it to uh, urban paranoia, uh, how people have continued to sort of box themselves off and separate themselves from everybody else in the, in the sort of urban environment. Uh, really plays on those fears really, really well. Um, I don't want again. I don't want to give too much away by this film, just in case someone hasn't watched it. I mean, they should have by now. But if they haven't, uh, it's a genuine, it's a genuinely scary film. It's one of the few films that actually does really unnerve me and creep me out. Um, the idea of people taking away your loved ones' personalities and replacing them with uh, just uh, basically emotionalist clone. Uh, the idea that you might become one of those and not even know it. Um, just incredibly, incredibly scary. Has one of the best endings ever in a horror film slash sci-fi film that I've ever seen. It still works no matter how many times I watch it. It, it showcases uh, a lot of uh, social issues and, and things of that nature going on in that time period. Uh, things like therapy and uh, 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 people disconnecting from other people in society. Uh, features Donald Sutherland basically at his uh, peak as far as acting goes, where he was just in a string of great films in the 1970s. He was basically the guy in the 70s, um, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. And uh, it's just a it's a terrifying film, as far as I'm concerned. Just one of the true films that really scares me. So uh, 
Definitely one I, I I'd list. So. Oh yeah, no, um, both that one and the actually I I actually really like the original from I think '56 as well. Yeah. Um, both uh, really really great films. Um, and um, worth your time. I mean, very different films in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. Even though they're kind of both the same basic idea. Um, it's also kind of funny that uh, Donald Sutherland went on to do the Puppet Masters. The, yeah. Uh, horrible abomination of the Heinlein story um, in the 90s, you know. Yeah. Um, kind of interesting that he, he shows up, uh, again, you know, as, as the old man. You know. And when and, uh, Kevin McCarthy from the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers shows up in a cameo in uh, right. in, in the remake there, uh, almost connecting it as if it it's almost a direct sequel in some respects, but actually isn't, but... Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, great film, definitely. Uh, it was on my list. I almost picked it, and then I went, ah, let's do, you know, let's do something a little a little more, uh, yeah. something else. Um, all right, you ready for my number one, or my most yeah. recent anyway? Yeah. Um, you said Moon was the uh, best science fiction film you'd seen in the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another choice, um, and this one is actually from last year. Um, this is uh, the Spike Jones film Her. Okay. Um, which is, uh, have you seen this film? I haven't seen it yet, no. Um, one of the uh, great uh, unheralded as a science fiction film, science fiction films. Um, okay. This is a, a movie that is, uh, I, I kind of don't want to say anything more about it in terms of its science fiction premise. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're kind of told it's just going to be this kind of hipster love story at first. Um, you know, I think the thing the thing about her is, the, the kind of ads made it look like a hipster love story, you know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's the uh, cheesy way of doing this, which is, like, there's this guy in love with his computer, and, you know, like, look at all <laughs> the stupid jokes we can make. And then there's the kind of hipster love story version of it that you could tell, which would be slightly better. It would be, you know, kind of like, oh, and look at how quirky it is that he falls in love with his computer. And then there's the way where it just takes itself completely seriously. Um, and it sets it into this world and, like, actually follows through on the consequences of what that would be and what that would be for these two individuals. And um, one of the things that I love about it is that the, uh, the character, the, the computer, Samantha, uh, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, is a fully formed character in this film. Um, huh. And you don't necessarily realize that until um, fairly late in the film. I think that it's... Uh, it has some really interesting things to say about um, relationships and the way that we build relationships in the modern world. Um, I met my wife online, and mm-hmm. we were long distance. I mean, we were only like two hours apart, but we were long distance for a little while. And we spoke on the phone quite often. And so, uh, you know, like our early relationship building our, our, our love for one another was built in much the same way that Samantha and... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, kind of fall in love, yeah. where they're just talking on the phone to each other. It's just that they just physically can't meet, you know. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I will admit that it does have a certain kind of personal uh, impact on me as well. Um, this is one of those films. I think that um, it was easily dismissed as a gimmick, but I think it's uh, one of the one of the greatest films of any kind I've seen in a long time, and I think. Cool. Um, really underrated uh, as a science fiction film, particularly when you get to the end. And people that... Um, one day I want you to see it and I want us to actually discuss this film in detail because um, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about about the ending, of, uh, particularly about the ending and about the meaning of what the ending says about uh, the world of the film. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Um, so uh, we'll go to my number one. Uh... My number one is essentially uh, a very obvious choice, I guess, uh, especially for me, given my tastes. Um, I'm going with 1982's Blade Runner from Ridley Scott. Um, I think I think a lot of it has to do with just the uh, sort of film noir trappings really suck me in every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really do I really do like uh, the premises uh, put forward in it, like what makes us human. Uh, is Deckard a, a really a human or a replicant? Uh, I like that it keeps it uh, fairly open. 
uh, open to interpretation, even though there's like uh, five versions of the damn film. Uh, <laughs> and I, ha- I have that set, actually, the recent Blade Runner set from a few years ago that has all the versions of the film. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just, it's a great film. Uh, the the Rutger Hauer performance is, in my mind, probably one of the top five uh, performances from any actor in the 1980s. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sad movie. It's an interesting movie. It's a thoughtful movie. Um, and it's a f- exciting movie too, a fun movie. Uh, it has, it basically has everything. It's, it's, uh, it's a shame that it wasn't as well received when it first came out, but it was cut to hell. It was mistreated often like a lot of great films often are, but, um, but yeah, uh, again, not a lot to say about without going into like a full blown review and exploring the themes and stuff. But, uh, for me, Blade Runner is still the one I keep going back to. So. Yeah, no, a phenomenal film, uh, definitely, I mean, you know, all the praise that it gets is justly deserved. Uh, it doesn't, it's really one that I kind of admire more than I love, so it doesn't tend mm. to make my list for these sorts of things. Um, I would ask, have you read the book? I have read it, yeah. Yeah. It is uh, quite a bit different. Very, very different book. Um, you know, I, I, it's one of those that I wish somebody would make, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep as a, mm-hmm. you know, like make that version as well i think um you know of course that's so like 60s um and uh so so very very different um absolutely worth reading the book it's funny we keep kind of or i keep coming back to that you know three three of the three of the things that we've talked about have been like yeah and you should also read the book um yeah good um but uh yeah no blade runner a great film uh harrison ford kind of at his peak um at that point or um kind of at that uh slightly past the you know i am ascendant and able to take on the slightly more mature um i think deckard is a more kind of mature and nuanced character than maybe like raiders of the lost ark indiana jones or you know han solo and an empire would be um a little bit dirtier a little bit grittier a little bit grimier um and an element of the film that i think gets uh a little bit lost when people talk about it sometimes yeah, uh, I, I find Harrison Ford's a guy who sometimes he is such a big star that people kind of uh, overlook his actual abilities, um, and especially because he was in so many like really you know uh, big franchises and populist kind of films, um, people kind of forget that he actually is a really good actor. Uh, yeah, or at least was. Yeah. I haven't really seen him in anything recently. I, I think this the last is... thing I saw him in was like some of his uh like patriot games and shit like that like i think that was yeah no this is before he started acting solely with his index finger you know <laughs> <laughs> uh did you have any uh sort of runners up that uh were, were in your back of your mind um I, I mean blade runner would definitely have been on that list um i mean i can list a bunch uh fifth element i think is kind of underrated in a lot of ways yeah, I agree. Um, kind of, kind of seen as more of a fun movie, um, yeah. but I think there's a lot going on there as well. Uh, Moon would make that list. Oh, jeez, you ask me, you know, when I don't actually have my list of great films in front of me. <laughs> um, uh, so many, so many. Dark City, honestly. Yeah, Dark City. Um, I, I avoided, I avoided listing that one just because we reviewed it. But... Just because we did, we talked about it so recently. You know, it's 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 not. Uh, you didn't want to bring it up again. Um, yeah. You know, if we expand it to, uh, you know, kind of science fiction fantasy a little bit broader, I think the Lord of the Rings films uh, would would fit that for me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that uh, in terms of uh, big kind of big budget uh, world building films, I think uh, particularly the first one, Fellowship, is just um, truly, truly phenomenal. Yeah. that's a case where I actually like the movies better than the books. I I think that uh, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I think the uh, the books have their charms and the movies have their charms and they're very different. But I do think that the uh, the film is a better experience um, than the book. Um, sorry, I'm talking about fantasy now instead of science fiction. Uh, what yeah. did you have? Oh, The Incredibles. Can we count The oh, Incredibles? Yeah. yeah, The Incredibles um, definitely. 
That's uh, one of my favorite superhero movies. <laughs> no, no, no. Mind, I mean, you know, are we going to count superhero movies? Because then, you know, I'd say, well, like, yeah, you know, they're all sci-fi technically, um, as far as I'm concerned, pretty much. You know, I I was trying not to do kind of big the big blockbuster films as well. Yeah. But um, you know, obviously the Avengers would kind of make that list. Um, yeah. I was actually looking at uh, again films from the '70s, the original Richard Donner Superman. Um, yeah. Like, if you wanted to call that science fiction, that's phenomenal stuff. Um, so. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm I'm a little bit rambling. You kind of asked me out of the blue there to kind of name some. I'm actually yeah. looking at my DVD shelf and kind of looking at like <laughs> what would I, what did I, what did I miss? Oh, um, the World's End. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, from uh, I think last year was uh, a really really nice uh, kind of science fiction film. Yeah, that's one we should uh, definitely review at some point. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything on on your list that didn't uh, that you weren't gonna talk about or? Yeah, um, I had a, I had a few runners up here that I was just thinking about. Um, uh, J- uh, John Carpenter's "They Live" from nineteen eighty eight. I'm surprised um, you didn't list that actually. Yeah, I, it it probably would have come at like number six if I was doing like sure. a top ten list, right? Um, fantastic uh, film. Actually, I think it's probably after um, uh, the thing. I think it's actually probably his uh, best movie after. Thing and then I'd yep. say like Halloween and then go from there. But um, very very good film, uh, deceptively smart film. Um, it kind of it kind of knocks you over the head like oh this is going to be a big dumb action movie. You got Roddy Piper here, pro wrestler, uh, saying saying really uh, cheesy kick ass lines. But in in reality, um, there's a lot of deep stuff going there. Basically, uh, Republicans from other space. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, love that film. Um, another John Carpenter one I would uh, mention, would, of course, would be The Thing. Uh, I, I think I kept that off my list because that one is more explicitly horror than sci-fi. Right. And sometimes you do kind of get into that realm of like, well, is it more horror? Is it more, you know, but we kind of take a, a big, you know, yeah. for these. Um, they, uh, the Thing is also based on a great uh, John Campbell short mm-hmm. story from 1935, I think. Yeah, yeah, who um, goes there. Who goes there, uh, which is, again, a, a really great short story um, that uh, if you're interested in the genre, you should absolutely read it. Um, yep. You know, particularly and, the roots of the genre. And I think um, even the original Thing from Another Planet that uh, that's a remake of is a, a good film. As yeah, well. it's, it's been made a couple of times, so, um, yeah. you know, de- again, uh, worth checking out a lot of this old stuff. I, I think that it's funny to, you know, I keep wanting to go back to the roots, you know, what what is the, you know, where did this start? Kind of, you mm-hmm. know, stuff that, stuff that people maybe have heard of but haven't seen. I really like telling people to go back and check out some of this um, stuff from the 50s and 60s that um, maybe you're in, or even the 70s that maybe... Um, doesn't uh, seem as exciting as it might be today. Um, really, before science fiction films became blockbusters, you know, the yeah. stuff before Jaws. Um, you know, uh, go check like, out uh, Westworld, or go check out. Um, yeah. Uh, what? Uh, God, the the Sean Connery on a uh, moon, and is it Outland? Oh, o- Outlands. Yeah. Outland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, not a great film, but absolutely worth seeing. Um, yeah, that was high noon, basically set in space. Right, like, right. Um, real characters, real you know, grungy kind of you know. Um, so I'm just naming stuff I like now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, funny you mentioned like Westworld. Like people who you know have like watched Jurassic Park, uh, go back and watch fucking Westworld and and see where those ideas really germinated from. Well, uh, and from directed Crichton. by Michael Crichton. Yeah, you know? yeah. like. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but uh, yeah, no. Um, watching Westworld after Jurassic Park, you're like, man, he just he ripped himself off completely. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, uh, at least he didn't remake the Andronomus strain again or something. Jeez. Which they did remake. Um, a few. Oh, years for ago. TV. Yeah. TV, yeah. Oh, right. Um, another one. I think another one that's that's uh, underrated. Dune. Um, Dune. David yeah. Lynch. Um, another you know kind of a a bit of a uh, crazy. Uh, lost uh, adaptation that was probably never actually going to be as good as the book. Um, yeah. The book is definitely the superior version of that um, because they changed some stuff and it's just kind of completely insane, but um, absolutely worth uh, just visually 
um very dynamic uh yeah i think i think the problem with that is like the the book and just the whole dune series is just so incredibly thick and deep that right. you couldn't you couldn't do it in one movie like now if they if they had never made it before and they decide we're gonna do dune they would do the same thing they did with lord of the rings where they'd make a trilogy and then they'd release like the expanded versions on a right. dvd set right i would i would actually go see that um yeah yeah no that would that would be awesome Actually, the uh, the Dune, the first Dune novel, it's split, it's split into three parts. That would uh, make three really good movies. Actually, now that you're talking, yeah. Unlike I really the want Hobbit. to see this. Unlike the, yeah, I have completely avoided the Hobbit films. Um, yeah. I loved the Lord of the Rings films. I would I, if they'd made one Hobbit movie and they said, okay, it's going to be done, and this is going to be a two-hour movie, and then they said we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it nine hours long, and I went. You yeah. can yourself. You know? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. They 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 could have they could have made the Hobbit in two and a half hour, three hour movie at the most. Uh, but they decided, hey, everyone's doing trilogies. That's what sells. So we're gonna split it up and add characters in it that weren't in the original book. Uh, although, I mean, to their credit, at least they added a female character. That's something Tolkien really was never big on doing. <laughs> well, you know, Tolkien, uh, you know, you know, we don't need to talk about Tolkien and women. And, uh, you know, the orcs is, you know, essentially just like, look, they're savages from the dark continent, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're a, a little bit astray from our, our topic here. But yeah. um, no, I do have a really fun conversation. Yeah, I do have a, a just a couple more, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. Sure, um, sure. No, I'm I'm fine with chatting. I'm trying to wrap up your podcast, but I'll sit here and chat as long as you want. Don't worry. Right on. Uh, uh, Ryan Johnson's Looper from 2012. Oh God, yeah, no, that's phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah. Again, another real science fiction film. When I originally uh, told, when I originally suggested this topic, I said, "What I'm going to do is I'm going to find like the best uh, time travel movie. I'm going to do the best like space travel movie. Yeah. I'm going to do, you know." And then as it kind of as I kind of started collecting, I'm like, "Yeah, but I'd just rather pick five that I really love, you know." Yeah. Uh, but Looper is uh, really, again, a really great science fiction film. It really kind of takes its premise and and uses it well. Um, Ryan Johnson, um, you know, no, um, <laughs> so, you know, it is no skin off my nose to say he is a filmmaker to watch. Um, I've actually been watching him since Brick, so uh, definitely yeah, yeah. Uh, interested in, in anything he makes at this point um, after Looper. Um, and he uh, directed some episodes of Breaking Bad, um, which were oh, yeah. uh, some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad ever were directed by Ryan Johnson. So, um, yeah, definitely yeah. a filmmaker to watch. And I have one other time travel film, uh, another one with Bruce Willis in it, uh, strangely enough, 12 Monkeys from Terry Gilliam. Um, yep. Uh, one... I thought about that one, but I wanted to do Brazil more, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then the other, the only other one I had on my runners-up was uh, another one that was a bit too much horror. Um, so uh, I had Alien from 1979, Ridley Scott. Um, yep. That one is like, okay, it is sci-fi, it is Lovecraftian, but it's a little too Lovecraftian, it's a little too horror, and it's also like too much a haunted house on a spaceship kind of film almost. Uh, right. So oh, it's, it's a great film, though. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, definitely, you know, it, it builds a world very effectively. And I think, uh, again, as long as we're going to, you know, James Cameron's sequel, Aliens, is also really very different and also very good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as long as we're talking James Cameron, I can't uh, let that go without Terminator and Terminator 2. And uh, that's yeah. where the series ends. That's yes, it. I agree. I you, agree. Um, Terminator 2 is actually one of probably one of those films that I've seen the most of all the films I've ever seen. Um, I've rewatched that film probably a hundred times. It is uh, It is great. I actually, I mean, if it was like a top ten list, I would probably be on it. Um, have you seen the trailer for the new one? I've avoided it. Oh my I, god! It lo it looks like um it looks like a direct to DVD movie. Yeah, well, I, I didn't even see the third one, um, yeah. and then I saw Salvation. Was that what that one was called? The yeah, Christmas Bell one? that sucks. Um, yeah, really lame. Uh, they're yeah, just they're just milking the franchise like I, they keep setting shit, and it's like you don't need to. Part two is a good ending for the whole thing. Part, you know, like the the the, the whole thing ends with two. You know, um, 
the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles was was pretty good though. Uh, was it the, the TV series? Yeah, uh, it had its moments. It was it was a little uneven, but it was it was a worthy successor. And I think that the world is interesting. I just think that um, the the way they've gone about it, they have gone about it with the uh, idea of building a franchise or building an action film or whatever, as opposed to like really trying to explore ideas. Yeah, and they've looked at it as a cash cow instead of as a like you know we're actually trying to tell stories. Um, so uh, the first two Terminator films, and particularly the second one, um, I I have deeply deeply in love with the uh, second Terminator film. Um, yeah, well, the, almost the, beyond a reason at this point. Um, but the, uh, the, the the second Terminator film actually made me like a Guns N' Roses song. So <laughs> I mean, if if a movie can do that, then. Uh... It's got to be on a list somewhere, at least. <laughs> and, and Edward Furlong, you know, come on. Yeah, his peak. I mean, I've seen him recently in some films, and he's looking a little worse for wear. Uh, he's he's definitely looking like twice his damn age. Yeah, well, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else, like, on the tip of my tongue. There's probably... I'm probably going to turn this off and then uh, kick myself for missing one. But, yeah. um, you know... There are other days to talk about science fiction films. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so um, I guess we'll do a little bit of wrap-up here. Um, uh, first of all, Daniel, tell people where they can find you. Um, I am on Twitter at Daniel E. Harper, um, spelled pretty much the way you think it should be spelled. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me these days. Um, I have a, if you like me, listen to me talk about science fiction and meander on, uh, I do have a Doctor Who podcast. Um, you can find that at oispaceman.libsyn.com. That's oispaceman.libsyn.com. Um, and, uh, I do that with my wife and we sit and we talk about nerdy things a lot. So definitely check that out if you want to listen to my voice more. Right on. Um, and so um, I've finally gotten around to getting a hosting service for the podcast. Um, you're, you're a big boy now. Yeah. <laughs> I got out of my training diapers. <laughs> we are now on Podbean. Um, it is the URL is tmbdos.podbean.com, uh, the short version of They Must Be Destroyed on Site. So if you go there, you'll find... Um, some of the episodes might take a little while to get uploaded there. I, I still try to put them on uh, YouTube first um, and extract the audio that way. It's just my convoluted ass-backwards way of doing things because I'm an idiot when it comes to using uh, Audacity for anything other than uh, syncing audio tracks. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so... Uh, you can go there. You can find the email link. Uh, you can find uh, all of Daniel and uh, my links, uh, and you can find all the podcasts there. And you can listen to them directly. You can download them. You don't have to watch them on bloody YouTube or find a YouTube downloader to get them. So more convenient for you guys. And uh, hopefully, we'll be getting more comments now that uh, we're a bit more established. Uh, Going to try to make the podcast. Uh, try to keep it weekly. I'm going to try to shoot for releasing an episode every weekend at some point, either between Friday and Sunday. Hopefully we can, I can work that out. Um, but other than that, yeah. Um, so Daniel, um, what, from what film on your list would you like to hear a piece of the soundtrack from to play us out? Um, I really, I, Really, I would just pick the Brazil, uh, the actual do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, uh, that one. Okay. Um, that's uh, probably the, the thing that, like, looking at this list, that's what plays in my head. Um, although you could also choose, uh, if you want something a little bit more obscure, uh, the uh, Strange Days, Juliet Lewis uh, singing I Can Hardly Wait. Uh, that would be another huh. great choice. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Her also has a really phenomenal soundtrack, but I, I won't make you listen to any of that because that's very uh, dopey love song kind of uh, music. Uh, uh, but there's a phenomenal soundtrack for that as well. But you really need to see the movie before um, that's going to make any sense to you. So. All right. All right. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Daniel, and we'll catch you guys uh, later next episode. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.